Hello, this is uh, Fam Like a Ghost, and this is the Fam Like a Ghost show, where we interview indie artists from around the world. We're talking to Bite Mapper, and um, so we're going to start with our interview. And I, I see you're in South Carolina. Is that, that true? Yes. And um, you've got two albums I see out here on Bandcamp, and I think Digital Illusion came out in August 2018. And then Devil on the Dance Floor came out in June 2018. Is that right? Yes, sir. So you're an electronic uh, musician. It says that you're a retro influence producer. It's part man, part monophonic bass synthesizer. So I had a question because I'm a synthesist. I'm a synthesizer player. Um, so when you say monophonic bass synthesizer, which um, synth are you using? I mean, that's, well, I, I'm pretty much all software, but if, if I had to pick one to be part of, it'd probably be the Model D. Model D, yeah. I have oh, a, yeah. yeah, I have a Moog Mother 32 and a DFAM and Arturias and Eurorats. And, so I'm kind of analog and digital hard, hard sense. Um, but, oh, yeah. But so you're using the plugins. What type of plugins are you using? Uh, I, uh, my, my three favorite that I gravitate towards the most currently are uh, probably Diva, Repro, and uh, Lush 101. Okay. So what type of controller are you using? Are you the keyboard controller? Or you uh, I use a Yeah, I use a keyboard. With a, it's got pads built into it. It's a launch, uh, Novation Launch Key 49. Oh, okay. Yeah, I use like Arturias, but um, you know, people use different things. But I also use oh, like, yeah. you know, Junos and Moogs and yeah, Model D is a favorite, but <laughs> I trigger my model, my Mother 32 with my Juno, um, which is a good way to do it. But um, yeah, so you have been uh, doing electronic music for how long? Uh, about four years now. So uh, when did you first get into synthesizer or synthwave music? Ah, oh, Lord. Uh, I bought a copy of Hotline Miami that was on sale. And okay. I was listening to the soundtrack and came across uh, Wave Shaper's track and Carpenter Brutes. And I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And just kind of went from there. I started uh, looking into what kind of software I needed. You know, what are the thematic elements that tie it together? And mm -hmm. Drum machines, what kind of synthesizers were used? And it just led to this rabbit hole. Of, like, how do they process their drums? What kind of compressor is considered authentic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so you, so you're using software sense plugins. So, what kind of drum machines are you running um, in your in your um, in your workflow? Uh, I'm a big fan of the 707 from Roland, uh, the 626, yeah. and the LM1. Oh, cool, LM1. Yeah, okay. I I use a lot of 727, 808, 909, and then I've got like the Moog DFAM. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the DFAM's like a revelation. That thing is like it's full analog controlled voltage, no MIDI. You have to kind of play it like a guitar. <laughs> it, huh. <laughs> it, it, it's a, I mean, it's, it's an organic, modes are organic. Like if you ever get a mode, it's like they, they change from day to day. They have to warm up. And it's, it's a totally different world than digital when you get into analog. And I would recommend it as a synth head. Uh, oh, yeah. Even getting it like a low Arturia mini brute. Uh, is is this a revelation when you we have a full analog set? Um, but I know the plug guns can 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 get close to it, but I'm a big proponent of pure analog. But um, so like you don't have vocals on any of your tracks, that you're a pure instrumental musician. 
Yes. Uh, so, so have you played any shows, or you're primarily just on Bandcamp and SoundCloud? Have you done uh, just, just Bandcamp and SoundCloud at the moment? I, I I played as a musician doing guitar and live gigs for a number of years, and kind of got out of that, and kind of got into this, and mm-hmm. just kind of trying to piece together what sort of live rig you need to do live shows like that. So, yeah, like in Arturia, Key Step is a good good choice. But what you have would work, but a key step is very powerful. Um, and then, you know, different sequencers are are useful. I use, you know, multiple sequencers. But, um, yeah, I got a live rig in road cases, and I've been to New York and done shows. But and what what's also a cool thing you can do as, a, as a, like, a, a musician that's doing stuff like at home, you could set yourself up, you know, with a Go Mixer from Roland with your – iPhone and you could you could do a Facebook live performance from your home studio. And, oh. and when you do I've done that as Fam Liquid Ghost and gotten like four thousand people to watch it at one time. Um oh. and then that can you can move move those people to your SoundCloud, to your Bandcamp, and you can get a rep for playing. So it, it gives you a chance to play live, but you're projecting like what you do in your studio to a live audience. And, right. Uh, yeah, and it's a good way to to get the practice of really doing a live gig, but not having the pain of having to get into a club. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, down here in South Carolina, there's not a there's not a whole lot of venues for this particular branch yeah. of music, let alone electronics. Yeah, yeah. So it gets you out to the to the web space where you get yeah. fans from all over the world. You get fans from the Netherlands and Australia. And what's cool about it is if you get the Go Mixer, you can hook it up to your rig. Right. And no right. one, no one has to hear you is, you know, and if you're not singing, no one's going to hear you. You could be playing at two in the morning. Nobody's going to hear you. Um, Cause it goes right through the phone, through the mixer and then you can have it a really high quality audio feed. So it's, it's really, I've, I've talked to a lot of bands about, you know, looking into that because a lot of people are starting to live stream. You can do it on YouTube. You can do it on Instagram. You can do it on Facebook live. It's, it's a cool way of getting out there. I'll have to give that a look. I, I've been thinking about getting into live stream on Twitch because I've seen a few guys that do like live production. Yeah, there's a lot of cool ways to do it. I mean, the Rolling Go Mixer, like just a $100 device that hooks right to your phone or hooks uh-huh. right to your computer and allows you to use your camera. And then it syncs up your, your outputs. You can go right from a mixer. You have a really high quality audio. But like, so I wanted to get your, um, you talk about some of your influences. Can you get more into maybe some other like instrumental or band reference points that got you into it besides um, what you mentioned? Uh, aside from Wave Shaper and Carpenter Brute, uh, I, I would say probably most of my introduction to the genre at large was probably Laserhawk. And then from there, it was kind of branching out to the uh, the more authentic 80s synth-heavy acts like Goblin and a lot mm-hmm. of the Italo disco acts like, uh, I forget the artist, but the guys that performed Tarzan Boy. and uh, Okay. So you're more eclectic, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a progressive rocker. I come from like Yes, Genesis, you know that kind of background. Um, in oh, yeah. terms of where, can I play like real hardcore sense? So looking at you know, like Wakeman, and you know, uh, you know, this looking at all the other, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, you know, those guys. Just uh, if you're looking at like Moogs and people who played the Moogs. Like you know, if you look at Funkadelic and Bernie Bernie Worrell, that that's oh, yeah. 
that's the kind of influence I have on uh, electronic. And if you get into the, the old school bones of it, you know, the kind of classic, you know, progressive rock is like, you know, art, the synthesizer was a big part of like, uh, you know, c- cinematic rock opera concept records that people would just like do 20 minute, you know, a little mini operas. And that was a lot of what it was. And today we, we have kind of branching out of that with a lot of the EDM and trance and synth wave. But you know, like a lot of it started in the other, you know, the places I'm talking about. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of big, big work done in the early 70s that kind of yeah. leads to where we yeah. are now. Yeah, the whole concept of like how the modes work, the subtractive synthesis or additive synthesis, you know, comes from a lot of the work Keith Emerson and Wakefield and Bernie Worrell did. Um, oh, yeah. So, like a lot of, even though the modern soft sense, they, they have the you know theoretical concepts of subtractive synthesis you can run through, and you can do virtual CV and all kinds of envelope controls and filter, you know, manipulation, you know, digitally, but actually doing that on a pure analog is kind of cool. But um, so, have you ever thought about collaborating with vocalists on your tracks and actually, you know, branching into other genres, or you just want to stay within the electronic synthwave? I I've been looking a little bit into it. And I uh, I've been p- trying to incorporate more of the guitar into the work I'm doing currently, and not quite at the point where I'd look at hiring a vocalist, but it's something I've I've got on my docket in the near future. Yeah, some of the other things that synth, you know, synth guys like me, I like, I, I always, well, I did actually, I've collaborated a couple of times with different artists, you know, I collaborated yeah. with an artist in LA, named Old Control K, she was Los Angeles EDM producer, Lonnie Claire in New York City, and a couple of DJs in, in New Hampshire. But, but what's cool I've found is I actually use like Roland vocal transformers, VT3s, VT4s, and right. the, J, the XI, and I, I do like, create vocal characters with these Voicoders. And it's not just auto-tune. I actually do like pitch manipulation to create like female and male characters. Right. So it's another, you know, it's kind of going back to like, if you go to Funkadelic and Sir Nose or Prince with Camille, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's there's a whole space of that. That's where I'm in. So sometimes you don't have to actually get somebody else. If you get adventurous, you could use your sense to do it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not confident enough in my voice yet. Oh yeah, at least that upon the world. Yeah, there's so. a lot of work you can do though. Like if you get into it, the microphones and the vocal processors can. You know, I I was totally not a confident singer. I never right. wanted to sing in any band I was in. I would just play, and, oh, yeah, yeah. and then eventually, you know, in my fifties, I decided, you know what, I want to try to get my voice. Because I have a lot. Of, I had a lot of poetry. I had actually were writing songs. And then I wanted to like, and I couldn't wait for a vocalist, so I just started doing it myself. So I mean, right. at the point, if you actually are writing songs and, and you feel you could try to do it, but you never know. I mean, some folks know what they can do and what they can't do. And if you're not confident there, then you, you go with a real vocalist. <laughs> you know, somebody that's a little more talented than I with a microphone, not quite as yeah. Well, if you do it, yeah, mind. if you do it straight on the microphone, you think yeah, being a vocalist is being a artist in itself there's a whole art oh, yeah. to it and if you're searching for a certain tone you know you can't do it and but then you can kind of do spoken word and all kinds of other stuff in electronic music that can open it up if you use poetry but kind of good if you think about hip-hop because they're not necessarily the best vocalist in the world 
but but right. you can you can do that approach to the spoken word poetry and different things. So have you thought about maybe working with DJs or hip hop artists to incorporate your music, or you would stay away from that? I, I wouldn't be adverse to it. I, uh, I I usually aim for more sedate stuff. I, like the highest BPMs I can get up to is about 125, 130. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's like middle disco right there. So yeah, I pretty much stay in 120 or or slower because it's kind yeah. of like progressive rock. You know, doesn't really go super fast. You no, know, yeah. it, it kind of stays in that zone, especially if you're like Pink Floydish. You know. Genesis, you know, like the Sid Barrett Pink Floyd. <laughs> you know, you don't really, you're more psychedelic and it tends to go more droney or cinematic or sound painting like. Like Hendrix used to talk about sound paintings on Electric Ladyland. And it's kind of like a lot. I like, I think I've been listening to some of your music, like, like Does It Ever Change and Soba and Hollow. I, I like, I like the, the vibe you're giving off. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, you're, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, that's on Bandcamp. We're gonna put the link to both your albums on this broadcast. Okay, and they are uh, they pay what you want. There's no real entry fee to to listen. I mean, if you want to yeah. donate a couple bucks, buy me a cup of coffee. That's great. Yeah, we're gonna put it out. <laughs> yeah, because what we do with this podcast, it actually goes out to Spotify. It goes out to Apple. It goes out oh, to Google. Okay. We've got about forty six hundred listeners right now. We average about two thousand a month. Um. So we, we, we actually are sponsored. We have corporate sponsors on this podcast. So Very when cool. so when you get this podcast when it gets produced, you'll actually hear me doing an ad <laughs> as as a spot within your podcast. It'll be kind of in the middle of it. There's segments. So when okay. you, oh, cool. and then it gets pushed out. But it does get pushed out immediately tonight. You will be on Spotify. You will be on Apple, uh, Radio Public. Stitcher, a bunch of other ones, like ten different platforms. This goes out to. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of hitting them all. Yeah, so we try to hit them all, and uh, that's why we can get a good reach, and we get a lot of, we can get a good response. We've we've had in the last two years, we've had a lot of artists come back on when they have a release. So what we've usually done is like with, we've talked to bands. Like last night, we were talking to a band that's getting ready to tour, and um, they're on Spotify, and you know they're. They're getting ready to, to do a tour, and so we were just revealing some of their new work on Spotify, and um, you know they're going to come back when they start touring, and um, oh, cool. and do like when they have an album. So we like to talk to people when they have another update. You know, a couple months from now, if you have another record, and we go. Through. I've got one in progress right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. We so we'll stay in touch. Like if you want to like talk to us about that, that's cool. Um, but then we we like to talk about other things like some of the questions we like to ask are what are your thoughts about like streaming services and like record companies as, as an indie artist uh do you appreciate the way these uh, like soundcloud and bandcamp allow you to get out there um, but do you want like label support because some bands want to tour and some bands want to do other things that require like label support but well, what are your feelings about that well, as a consumer, I really do appreciate the streaming services because, I mean, it, it puts me in reach with a lot of music I wouldn't experience. Otherwise, I get to see a lot of acts that I wouldn't follow or wouldn't hear of. But as, as an artist, um, stuff like SoundCloud, Spotify, all that, I kind of wish on one hand they paid a little bit more. And on the other hand, I wish they stopped compressing the living stuffing out of the stuff I make. Yeah. Yeah, that's been one of the problems with the, like, uh, the quality of the signal that they 
send out. You know, if you get out to like Apple has a little bit better quality. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you then you sometimes you have to go out and like, you know, use places like CD Baby, other places to get like a, a wave file turned into a CD or actually go with getting your stuff turned into vinyl. And then you can actually keep the quality of your, of your right. original recording. It's like a lot of places out now I've been actually venturing into, you know, doing some of my stuff in vinyl because I, you know, I have a lot of analog signals. And like you said, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the compression, like you don't want to compress a milk. You don't want to oh, compress no, like, no, like no. a profit. You know, you don't want it because <laughs> that, that pure sound coming from those scents is, is like why you got them. <laughs> yeah. And if you, you if don't you, spend that much on them to hear them go through a brick wall limiter. Yeah, you don't want it like docking out half the signal. You know, it's destroying yeah. what these scents can do. It was back in the day, you know, it was the re- reason why they, you know, the vinyl represents th- that sound a lot better. Because, um, you know, they would be using t- old reel to reels and, you know, old analog mixing boards. And, you know, so you end up having a really full sound. And Oh, yeah, you've got all those harmonic overtones coming in through all those little subtle saturation stages. Yeah, and you don't do these algorithms just cut a lot of that out. They just pull it out. Oh yeah, you know, and and if you're like a lot, a lot of musicians are getting back in analog. I mean, Moog this year just released like amazing synth. It's way beyond most people, but Moog finally has a polyphonic synth. It costs like eight thousand dollars. Oh yeah, the Moog One. Yeah, yeah Moog One. I mean, but that's something you really don't want that thing getting compressed. <laughs> no, <laughs> for eight thousand dollars, or even like a Prophet X. You know, that's yeah, a $4,000 yeah. synth or an OB6. You know, you don't want those to get compressed because that destroys, like, what you bought it for. <laughs> oh, yeah, those, those have all got their own funky character. And, I mean, that, the last thing on earth I want to hear is to hear that just yeah. destroyed. No, it's like, so if, if, you know, it's people that are using, like, the digital stuff and they, maybe they don't care. I mean, I just got an OPZ from Teenage Engineering. And that thing is, yeah, like, yeah. that thing's a revelation. Uh, you, you can do a lot of really cool like song structures on it. Um, it's good for composition and you can bring it into your workflow and then use it. Um, but it's a little, you know, it's cool because like a lot of times today, if you, I've actually gone to venues in New York City and because of all the DJs and the hip hop artists, if I come with my road cases and I've got my, my Rollins and my profits and stuff, they're like, oh, can't you set this up in like 10 minutes? <laughs> you're like, oh, no, I'm kind of like a real rock band. I'm like, you yeah. got like, to think of me as like a real rock band. I've got road cases. I got roadies. I got a setup. I got a sound check. These are synths. It's not like a DJ, you know, but some yeah, people yeah. get confused when you're an electronic artist and you're using synths. They think you're like a DJ. They, they don't know the difference. <laughs> and when you when you pop up, you're like, well, you know, I need 20 minutes to set up because <laughs> I've got real things. I got real instruments like a guitar player. <laughs> it's good to know things don't change on the other side when you're a keyboard player or anything like that. So, I mean, it, we, we ran into the same kind of issues when I was playing live. Yeah. I mean, you just, they, some of these, like I, that's why I've been playing some places in New York that are more in tune with indie musicians that still want to do it the old fashioned way. You know, yeah. you want to connect to a Marshall stack and you want to really play. <laughs> and give you time to set up. <laughs> and they're not just trying to have you play Eagles tunes, you know. Yeah, yeah, over, yeah. over yeah, and I'm over. Yeah, you want to like you're trying to get venues to actually let you play your original music, and that's where I found the, the like the online thing I was talking about. Like 
So you have, if you're really, you know, that'd be a good way to really launch yourself. And then it gets your YouTube presence out there. In a, in a, in a point. Yeah, because like everything today, these kids, like they want to see the YouTube. And then you can do a lot of cool things where you can edit, you know, with all kinds of tools. Like on your iPhone, you can get tools. And you can edit your live performance and then resubmit it to the channel and then have all kinds of effects on something that didn't happen. <laughs> so you, you can have like a raw performance and then that's what I do as the ghost I go and I re-edit my performances and throw all kinds of these visual effects onto my performance and, and trick it out um, visually um, and then you're able to do a lot of cool things I mean you can do stuff live if you have better equipment but if you don't have that equipment you can do it after the fact and then uh, it, it helps your, your audience base and it helps you push your material and then you know you can get monetized on YouTube for your oh YouTube. yeah yeah so if, if you get enough hits, you'll start getting monetized and that helps because then that can kind of launch you out there and you start making more money than what some of these other places want to pay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think my, my, my year total for Spotify so far since June is 30 cents. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm doing a little better. I mean like 30 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, 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 you know, <laughs> My SoundCloud presence is, is really annoying. I mean, I got over 81,000 listens and I'm not monetized. And, you know, and I've got like 1,500 compositions. I'm kind of crazy. I have a lot, I've been doing a lot of work and over right. 10 years. And, like, and, you know, they're always telling me, oh, yeah, we'll monetize you. We'll monetize you. It's like, well, you know, I got like 81,000 listens and you still can't monetize me. <laughs> but now they want to monetize. They'll, they'll let anybody monetize, but you got to pay for a month, which kind of completely yeah. defeats the purpose. Well, my whole thing is like I'm not paying for a month to get monetized when I got that much stuff out there on your platform. You oh know? yeah, like you you got to pay me. I mean, I'm getting paid for these other people. <laughs> yeah, when I, when I started getting confident enough this year and uh, starting to upload my own stuff out there and you know start building social presence and everything like that. I originally targeted SoundCloud because I, I thought that's, you know, where like 90% of the people I follow put stuff yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. When they were talking about going bankrupt and all that last year, I was like, maybe that's a good thing. Well, there's another platform I don't know if you ever heard of, but I was on SoundCloud and I was approached by this other platform called uh, Fanburst, and they don't charge. Fanburst. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, Fanburst.com. I got like 40,000 fans there. They have a higher quality audio. Uh, rate on their on their on their when you play the songs you can mm -hmm. set up your songs as albums which you can on soundcloud now but people can download that your 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 album as a zip file they can actually okay. you, you can include lyrics you can include links it's like you can put purchase links so if you have something on like itunes or you have it somewhere like bandcamp you can put the purchase link on the there's a url for it so it's a totally free platform. They actually came to me and I beta tested it um, because I had a presence on SoundCloud. And um, yeah, I got like 40, I got half the people there that I have on SoundCloud, but it actually sends more money to me because it has the purchase links to my Spotify and my iTunes and my title and all that. So it's a really good platform. You gotta, and it has a higher quality. So like for my analog sound, you can hear it a lot better on Fanburst than you can on SoundCloud. They don't wreck. The compression utilities aren't as bad. About to give that a look. I don't. I don't spend all this time setting up diffusion rates and reflection rates and reverb units. Not the yeah. Check out Fanburst. I think you'll be surprised how the quality is a lot better. You'll you'll be surprised. It sounds a lot, and it doesn't cost anything. So, 
I'm pushing them because I mean I worked for them for a little bit. I mean they never paid me, but I, I do appreciate the way they have their things set up and they've got good metrics that you can look at and good connections to like you know if you have got purchase links anywhere like Bandcamp you can you can set that up. So your whole album, album here could be pushed over there, and you could have the link for each song. You could purchase each one in the whole album. You could. I figured that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd, you'd be happy with it. So, um, need to get into it. Let me see. So, this one question: like, when did you realize that you actually could could create new music that was like different than what you've heard, or you ha- you you could actually express what you wanted to do? Through the synthesizer, when did you figure out that you actually had something to say or something to play? Uh, I would say probably earlier last year. I, I, I was a preset player by and large, which is just kind of an unfortunate side effect of getting into the VST game. Yeah. And I decided I was going to sit down. I was going to learn a synthesizer, even if it was a plug-in. I was going to learn it front to back. And make my own sounds. Cool. And I, I, I spent like two months doing that. And when I came out of it, I mean, I'm not spending money on presets anymore. Yeah. And I, I dial in how I want to sound. If I want like a soft emotive pad, I can make that. If I want something short and stabby, I can do that. Bases, all that stuff. And it just kind of opened up this big wide palette oh, yeah. to, uh, to choose from. For, yeah, you're totally ready. It's like having yeah, a... Yeah, you're totally ready to get like a mini brute. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had my druthers and I had uh, the, the cash laying around, I didn't need to, like, feed my kids. I'd probably look at, like, a Jupiter 6 or a Jupiter oh, 8. Yeah. But... But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm a big proponent of the Jupiter series. Um, you know, the, the Jupiter 6 and 8 are some of the, like, iconic. You know, I prefer oh, a Jupiter yeah. over a DX7. You know, it's a different thing. I mean, D- DX7 is FM and, you know. But the Jupiter was like just a monster. It still is today one of the best synths, you know, ever built, in my opinion. Like, if you compare to a Prophet 5, I mean, a Prophet 5 is an awesome machine. It is awesome in the new wave movement. Prophet 5s are everywhere. But Jupiter are everywhere, too. (laughs) I mean, Jupiters were like, you know, I mean, Yamaha's CZs, CSs, I mean, they're, they're good, too. I'm a big synth fan. I know about all the Going back to the, you know, the memory mode, or you know, or or some of the early modes, they like the divide down technology mode. It was kind of polyphonic before the memory mode. Um, oh, yeah, 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 there's some really cool sense. You know, the, the Oberheims are, are awesome machines. But you made a Model D for monophonic is probably like the best. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily. But one other thing that's cool is like the, the if you like the Jupiter, I mean the System Eight. It, it can can replicate a Jupiter pretty good. Uh, it's not exactly, but it can do a pretty good 106, and it can do a pretty good eight. If you're, I mean, that's if you that's like 90 percent of the sounds you need, right? Yeah, now. I mean, it has it's a plug out technology. Like uh, it's one of these um, analog behavioral modeling, which Roland's got okay, into okay. this technology where the system eight is like their premier analog behavioral modeling synth. It become it's a plug out synth. And what's cool is it's a full subtractive synthesis. It has like a dial per function on it. Every, every little knob huh. and dial is on, on the front panel. So if you learn subtractive synthesis, what's cool about that synth, it's got all the buttons and knobs you need to run subtractive synthesis from left to right. And then it can, it awesome. can become a Jupiter. It can become a 106. It, it can become an SH-101. 
it, 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 it can become like uh, like uh, multiple, like a JP. Um, one of the, I think it's a JP 108 or something, but they, it can become all these classic Roland analog sets. And then it, it right. actually all the controls will mirror what those controls were. They actually light up to actually represent what they were. Um, but the other thing that's cool about it is that you mix a Jupiter 8 with a 106, which you can never do. You, right. Yeah, right. and that's where it gives it some power. <laughs> Because you never could do that. You couldn't mix a 106 with a with an eight. You couldn't mix, you know, any of those. So that kind of gives you some cool stuff. That's been one of the big appeals with Diva as a plugin for me because you you can mix and match uh, modules because it's got like a late run model D that they circuit. Oh, awesome! Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Jupiter six, Jupiter eight, uh, Juno sixty, and then an Alpha Juno one and two, the JP eight thousand. Yeah, JP eight thousand. That's an awesome thing. And I think the MS twenty, like the the first and second revision, oh, you, you can take the uh, the oscillator sections, mm-hmm. and you can take like the uh, Jupiter's oscillator sections, and then the Moog's filter, like the ladder filter. filter, yeah, yeah, and then do like a digital envelope, and I don't know a chorus, a chorus module from like a, a string machine oh, or something like that. Cool. Can you mix like yeah, uh, var- state variable filters with ladder filters? It does have the uh, the SEMs filter in there too. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, it's it's been a handy plugin. I yeah, I mean, they, 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 I keep telling myself it takes <laughs> up too much CPU, but I always fire it up. So yeah, so I mean, that's pretty cool to be able to. So you running out like an Apple or a really high end PC? Uh, yeah, I I, I I'm platform agnostic. I've got a uh, my my mobile production studio is just like a MacBook. MacBook, okay. I'm running uh, Reason 10 and Logic Pro on it, and I've got all my plugins and stuff on there. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a higher-end PC where I'm running Reason and uh, Reaper with the same set of plugins. Using some kind of audio interface, like a universal audio or something like that? Uh, no, I'd love to have a UAD, but um, I'm, I'm just running like a, a Focusrite Scarlet something or other, 2i4 or something oh, like okay. that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So the subtractive synthesis, have you like have you gotten into depth in like some of the original concepts that Moog had or where did you learn about it? You were just figuring um, it out by doing it or did you read anything? I've done a lot of reading since, but I, I, I started reverse engineering patches and presets that I really liked and just kind of worked from there. Yeah, I mean, sometimes like when you get a synth, it's like when I got synths, I actually physically got Moogs and stuff. And just having a Moog and running that real ladder filter and following envelopes, you know, running through the ADSR, just doing everything. And then with the CV, like the, the, the thing that's a revelation when you get an analog synth is the physical controlled voltage wires that, that, mm-hmm. that you can reuse on the patch base on these like modular synths are just allow you to kind of break the rules. You're going to break the workflow of the synth and it's totally re designed it and that's where you get a lot of really inventive uh patch design is by you know actually not running it standard like reworking how that workflow would typically run and just overriding the heck out of it (laughs) and i think virtually you can do that on some of these self sense but like on an analog sense just the the cv capabilities on Eurorax and like modes with a modular base on them you know, I give you a lot of capability. I think you would get, yeah, I, I, would really get into it. 
I was going to say, uh, I, I've, I've, I've messed around with a couple of the software modulars, and I, the, uh, the interface is a little too obtuse. I, I think that's something that really is uh, better left to a physical space rather yeah, than... Yeah, it's hard to get a handle on that, I think, virtually. Like, when you physically yeah. have those wires and you're connecting them and you can kind of see what, what's happening when you do one to the next. And oh, yeah. It, they, I mean, you kind of, I think you have to do the physical to be able to do the virtual. And then, then you could probably figure it out from doing it because you just having the experiences. But to do it the other way around is probably harder. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's interesting that 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 you 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 reversed engineered and got to where you need to go. But it's kind of like you know anybody picks up a guitar and they kind of reverse engineer. You know, if they don't take lessons, then you know they sometimes people self taught and they, they they pick up a bass, pick up a guitar, pick up a piano. And they, you know, they, okay. same thing can happen with synths. You know, it's not that different from any musician. You know, I think it's like a lot of the same concepts. That's 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 been a big part of how I've been learning keys since I started this because I I'm not traditionally a key player. You're yeah, you're a guitar player, right? Yeah, and I, uh, I I play keys like a guitar player does. I was I was looking at uh I was watching a video of I think it was Eddie Van Halen and jump. I was watching his left hand. I was like, wow, he barely moves. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I was like, I can do that. Yeah. I think it's interesting when you got like Pete Townsend and Eddie Van Halen are really good examples of how guitar players can approach synthesizers in a way that's very unique. And, 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 and it brings you a sound that maybe a keyboard player wouldn't have done that. You know, if you, yeah, if yeah. you think about Pete Townsend, like if you listen to like Quadrophenia and Who's Next. The keyboard, the synthesizer playing on those albums is groundbreaking. I mean, he's considered actually one of the better synthesizer players in the world just because his approach was so different than anybody else. Oh, yeah. You know, he stands like right with Emerson and the rest of the guys because he, he came up with an approach on synthesizer programming that for Bob O'Reilly is like, it's, 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 it's iconic. You know, it, it, it's what you want to be able to do. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, being a guitar player, being a bass player, like, you know, if you look at Rush, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it, having having a different instrument and then going into a synth is, is a good thing. I think it brings a uh, different perspective and then you can have different, it's like jazz. If you get into jazz, you know, horn players trying to like play guitar, <laughs> like Coltrane is like doing guitar like things on, on his sets. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, cross pollination of different capabilities by taking some of the aspects of other instruments and using them on your instrument is a good thing. It's always a good thing. I do know when I came to grasp the layout of the keys, I was like, "Wow, this is really easy." <laughs> well, I always liked it because I I like the the fact on a keyboard you can write the whole song, and I know on a guitar yeah, yeah. you can do the whole thing. But like with the keyboard, you can do the drums, you can do the bass, you can do horns. Oh yeah. You can once you learn how to do the composition, you can control the whole thing. And then if you're yeah, that's yeah, that's like the big selling point of a synth. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I found out I didn't have to get a drummer anymore or a bassist, I was like, thank God. Yeah. Thank God. I'm good. Yeah. Because I got sick of waiting for guys to show up in the basement. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, they come. <laughs> Yeah, because you got ideas like I, I I can write that bass line, and maybe there's a better place player than me, and maybe they could do better. But with the synth, you can do pretty good. Um, you know, synths can do pretty good basses, and uh, 
and even the guitars now. I mean, I'm able to do some cool guitar stuff on some of my synths. My Rollins can replicate some really nice guitar sounds, and I, I incorporate it in my music. And I've been able to approach, you know, guitar playing, trying to think like how a guitar player would do. I don't try to do it like a keyboard player. You know, you have to try. Yeah. You, know, you got to when you play guitar on a synth, you got to try to think. Okay, yeah, I'm going to try to approach this like a guitar player. I'm not going to try to approach it like a piano player. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I, I made perhaps the uh, the foolish decision of investing in some orchestral libraries this year. So I, I've got to think like a strings player now and a horn player and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been it's been interesting adjusting to the workflow because I, I originally played uh, drums and guitar and laying down a rhythm is not a hard thing. You know, laying down a harmony is not a hard thing. Uh, leads, mm-hmm. melodies, all that. I mean, you're just picking stuff that sounds good with what you're doing but uh taking like a string player plays that yeah, is, it's a little harder but that's a that's a whole other monster yeah, yeah it's a big thing i mean a lot of it like if you listen you know listen to some classic string stuff you, know, you listen to classical music i mean it, to me it's like your yeah. reference points for that is like listening to some bach listen to beethoven listen to really good orchestral music and then kind of pick up some of the techniques and then try to incorporate them and then you know if you have like a prophet or you have a really good like Kronos or something, you can get really good string sounds and then you just got to approach it. And if you can't play it, you could always program it on a sequencer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of where I've been leaning. There's some of those little spiccato runs. Yeah. I can't go that fast. Yeah, if yeah. you can't do it physically, but you know, if, if you, a lot of keyboard players, we try to do it with the physical keyboards, like on a Prophet XL or a Kronos. You know, you, sometimes you can actually get to it if you have a really good keyboard. That, um, right. It's got a really good keybed on it um, and all the velocity and touch sensitivity capabilities. That's where the, the hardware sense kind of come in, in with the ability to, to have the full touch sensitivity and velocity and after touching every bell and whistle that you got, like on a Kronos or a Prophet, then you can get pretty close to it if you're good, you know, at, it's a lot of practice. It's kind of going back to like, you know, the bones of being a musician is like, you know, practice, practice, practice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so like when you, um, how often do you record? How much time do you spend recording? Uh, well, here lately, not as much time as I'd like. We, uh, we welcomed my third child back in August. He will be four months old soon. Like oh this yeah. Weekend, yeah. So then you're probably restricted because of that. I know that my daughter's 19, so I haven't been away from that for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine are uh, mine are five, three, and three months, and it's been um, yeah. It's a harder. You're having a harder road to. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a busy time. Yeah, they, they do like to me. I, now I have my my end cave. I got my studio, and my daughter's like doing her own thing. And I, you know, am I? You know, I have time to do a lot of composition, so I kind of go. Oh yeah, so that's the, that's the dream right now to get to that point. I uh, answer your question. I spend about an hour or two a day. Well, that's cool. They they actually do it because yeah. you know some folks you know they get into music and you know they record when they do their album and they go off and they don't they don't really keep on doing it. But I, I've I've been very passionate and I've run into people like I found that they just to have have a need to like keep on working. And I think synthesizers kind of give you. Um, uh, 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 the impetus to, to, with all the technology and the different plugins and all the things that come out 
like electronic musicians probably stay more current and are continually working. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been kind of a blessing actually, just how far some of the classic software, uh, some of the classic hardware manufacturers have embraced the mobile platforms because. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to fiddle with a Model D app. Yeah, or, uh, you know, the rolling cloud. Like yeah, yeah, the rolling cloud is pretty good. I mean, they put like almost everything out there. Yeah, I saw they added the uh, the JX3P, which I, I I'm kind of debating subbing just so I can. Yeah, well, that's an awesome machine. I actually have one, <laughs> and that that is an awesome machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not, like it's not as good as the yeah. Jupiter. It's not as good as the Jupiter, but it is a good machine. Um, it has its own tone, you know. It's always kind of reminded me of a Juno with a little more bite to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish they would just... I'm, I've been kind of like a proponent. Why don't you just bring back a Jupiter 8? Just rebuild it. Oh, yeah. Just, Lower the price down. Yeah, just they call it like a Jupiter 16. Oh, yeah, know, yeah. Actually, make a 16-voice Jupiter 8. Just rebuild it. Kind of like what Moog did with the D. They came back and reissued the D exactly as it was in this added MIDI. Uh, and some other things is like, yeah. they, they, you know, that would be a really cool thing for Roland to do. And they would be like, everybody would want one like a D, you know, it, it would be very big to actually have oh, yeah, yeah. A, a full Jupiter eight. That's 16 voice. Oh, that would be like, unbelievable. As often I, as I, I think... hear the, the one Oh six <laughs> and like hip hop or something like that, they're kind of, kind of falling down, not hitting it yet. Yeah, I mean, the 106s are still, I mean, like, Churches uses the 106. Yeah. Um, they they're, they actually have it on stage all the time. Um, so they're kind of a big proponent. And, I mean, they, they use their aids. They have profits. They, they use that. But, yeah, I see the 106 out there a lot with them. Um, yeah, it's just the chorus capability on that thing was pretty cool. I mean, that was the main thing on it. Um, but... Yeah, it was just like Roland had a really good history of these synths, and you know they're always going back and putting their stuff out in the cloud and other you know little boutique synths and that. But in the in the you know the system eight was a good approach, but what would be cool is just I mean the build quality of an eight of of a Jupiter is so oh, good, yeah. good, and it's like you guys built that one time, just build it again, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. It's like maybe they can't figure out how to do that again. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no telling. I, I, I mean, it might be that like something like the filter chips are impossible to source these days. Or yeah, I mean, they've been able to get to it. I mean, yeah, I think you could try to get to it. It's just a matter of like, do you want to go in the past to keep on going forward? But, yeah. but they're always got their foot in the past. You know, they've been the 500 series of uh, of like Eurorack systems. Is like the old system 100s. Oh yeah, okay. And they they found a technology to bring those back, working with this company called Maleco, and they, those things are like total replications of the 100. Um, and I know, um, yeah, those are pretty nice. <laughs> those are, I know, uh, what's his face? Dave Smith is uh, the Prophet Six is pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's Prophet Six is a five. It's just a more advanced five. Yeah, I think it's got more uh, voices that you can use. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like at the six voices instead of five. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then you can just get an eight. You could always just get an eight, but the the six, the Jupiter five, just had a tone that is like classic new wave. And oh you yeah, know, yeah, it's just really it's really unique and it's very powerful. You know, it has a lot of weight to it. Uh, you know, there's nothing like having a profit. Profit's like iconic. It's one of those. 
great sense if you can get one, it is worth getting one. <laughs> yeah. I think OB6. OB6s are good too, but Oberheim's. Um, yeah, I can go on and on about synths. I'm like a total synth head. But, but have you ever thought of um, integrating like C- CDJs into your music, like trying to like do like pioneer CDJ like type of uh, you know electronic DJing and mix it into synthwave? I've thought about it. I've thought about it. I've seen a, a couple of guys that were tossing the idea around, and I mean. There's a couple of guys I'm in contact with on Twitter and Facebook that are mashing up that sort of turntablism vibe from the late '90s with synthwave and yeah, some of that uh, that boom bap hip hop aesthetic to go with it. Yeah, so I think there's certainly room to innovate there. Um, I don't know the the EP I'm working on currently is kind of like uh, still going synthwave. It's it's more like what if Brian Eno. Oh, sat down and only had subtractive synths instead of his DX7 and all his <laughs> yeah yeah the DX7 man, I, like it, I like a subtractive synth I kind of prefer like a Jupiter over a DX7 you know or 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 like I said like a Prophet 5 over I mean DX7's had the day I mean the D50 I probably like the D50 a little better than the DX7 I, I oh, like the yeah it had this sound to it that was that was crazy you had Little, you know, PCM samples and all these things layered in the sound that it was pretty interesting. Um, it was totally different than what the DX7 was doing. Um, but you know, just people have different flavors. I mean, DX7 was just sold more than the D50, but the D50, a lot of people use it, it's very iconic as well. But Yeah, it's cool. It sounds like you, you got some cool stuff you're working on. Um, yeah, we'd love to talk to you when your new record comes out. We're going to push your current albums. Much appreciated. And um, Digital Illusion. There'll be links on our podcast. We can put hyperlinks in. So we will put those hyperlinks in. We'll put your brief bio that we found on Bandcamp in. Unless you want more, you can send us more. Um, yeah, I'll send you links to my Instagram and Twitter and all that. If most people want to get a hold of me, I'm usually on Twitter. So, oh yeah, yeah, send me all those and, and send them right right after the call because I'm gonna start working on publishing this, and then I'll give you the links to um the 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 Spotify and the Apple uh, links pretty fast. Those will come up, and then also the Anchor link. And uh, yeah, if you know any other folks, I think I'm already talking to to the synth. Um, organization that you're part of um we're going to continue to talk to other folks yeah 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 so but yeah we're we're always interested in talking to you guys if you've got new ideas or new things you want to do and uh yeah we like to push out uh, if you've got projects or concerts you want to push out we can continually add links to this podcast so once this podcast is published if you've got updates we can add to it or we can create a new program we have different ways of doing it but, um, oh, very cool. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for talking to us. So we're talking to Bite Mapper, and uh, yeah, continued success with your work. And uh, we're going to push you out there, and hope you get good response to our podcast. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time, and have a great holiday season with your kids. Have a good time. Have a fun time. Same to you. Have a good one. Thank you. All right. <laughs>